You might like to turn in your Bibles to First Thessalonians um, chapter 1 and just keep your finger there. We're going to read it in a couple of minutes. Now, First, I want to ask us a couple of questions. I wonder whether you've ever wondered why so many people who maybe attend church are often not that different from the people in the world around them from Monday through Saturday. Ever wondered why there's often such a difference between how many people present at church to the rest of the week? Uh, you hear it all the time, right? And for often from people who aren't Christians or not yet Christians. In fact, I heard it as recently as Thursday this week, meeting with someone who said those very things. I was a bit stunned by the difference between the way people were presenting at the church I went to and what they did the rest of the weekend and the rest of the week. And this person had concluded that their good deeds, their good deeds as they served in different community programs, were actually better than many churchgoers that they knew. And they actually then stopped going to church now some 20 years ago. Now, it's probably important to say that's no, the, the, the lives of people who profess to be Christians are no excuse for us to turn away from the Christ who is perfect and who loved us and who died for us. But nevertheless, it's still a concern, isn't it? It's still a concern when the people of God don't reflect the God that they say they love and serve. Here's another question for you. I wonder if you've wondered why is it that we don't often see ourselves the kind of transformed lives that we read about in the New Testament and that the gospel pictures? Why is it that we so often seem to struggle to see deep and lasting change in our lives personally as followers of Jesus? What is it that sees our growth in Christ slow and perhaps even come to a complete standstill? Well, I want to suggest to you that our topic for today could well be the answer to those questions. As we continue our series, Truths That Transform, that is big truths in the Bible, that if they land, will have a big impact on our lives. Today, we're looking at the twin truths of repentance and faith. The twin truths of repentance and faith. Truths that are actually at the heart of authentic, biblical, life-changing Christianity. What we're going to see this morning is that repentance and faith are at the heart of what the Bible says about being Christian in the first place. They're at the heart. Repentance and faith is at the heart of becoming a Christian as you respond to Jesus initially. And repentance and faith is at the heart of growing as a Christian as you respond to Jesus continually. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. So let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 
and then we'll pray and then we'll dive in. Paul's writing to this incredible uh, situation where the gospel has landed, truths that transform, so to speak, have landed big time in the Thessalonian church. And he's writing to them and listen to what he says to them and how he describes what had happened for them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, Silvanus and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labour of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake and you became imitators of us and of the Lord for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning. We thank you so much for the opportunity to gather like this, in this place, to sing your praise, to have our eyes lifted towards you, to have you speak into our lives by your word in the power of your spirit. To encourage one another, we thank you for the many blessings that we're receiving even this very minute from your hand. And now we thank you for your word and we pray that it will have free course in our lives as we open it together for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want this morning to look at two things about repentance and faith. And they're not rocket science. The first is this. Repentance and faith is how you become a Christian in the first place. But firstly, what is repentance and faith? What are they? What are they? Well, just a little bit of word study. The word repent in the Greek is a word called metanoeu. And that's broke, if you break that down into two parts, it kind of helps us grasp what it, what it means. Meta stands for movement or change. Movement or change. Now, eru refers to the, the mind or the thoughts or the perceptions or the dispositions that you and I might have. So put those two together, metanau, and you get movement or change in the mind, in the thoughts, in the perceptions or the dispositions that we might have. That's what it means to repent, to have movement at those deep core issues, those deep core places in your life. 
faith we're probably more familiar with. It simply means to trust or to embrace, to rely on or to depend in or to rest in something or someone. Repentance and faith. Repentance being a movement or a change in our thoughts and dispositions and faith being to trust or to depend or to rely on something. So a really helpful way I've found to understand these two truths in the Bible and to make them fairly plain is that they are about turning from something, that's the movement or change, turning from something and turning to something. To repent is to turn from whatever you were heading towards and to believe or to have faith is to turn to something else. Now, the interesting thing about repentance and faith is this. The Bible never separates them from each other. It never separates them from each other. Repentance and faith seem to always be together in some way. We are always called to turn to God when we are called away from sin. And we'll, get, we'll have some more on that a bit later. But notice it's actually what you see in the reading that we had from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and particularly verses 8 to 10. Paul writes again, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in every, uh, sorry, in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God, there it is, turning from idols to God to serve the true and living God. And to wait, more turning to, more faith, to wait for his son who's not here yet, but you're trusting in that he will return, who is going to come from heaven, the one who delivered us from the wrath that we would otherwise face. So friends, do you see that when repentance and faith has happened in our lives, firstly, it's obvious. Paul says, we don't need to write anything about it. It's clear there's been this massive change in the lives of the Thessalonians so that no one needs to kind of you know, write an article on it. Their, whole, their lives are the article. Right? You also see the turning from and the turning to. From idols to the true and living God. And do you see, friends, that this is what happens when we become Christians? This is what happens when we become Christian. Paul proclaimed the gospel to them. God was at work in them as the gospel was proclaimed to them by his Holy Spirit. And what happened? They welcomed the word about Jesus with deep conviction and they turned from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for Jesus. Repentance and faith was at the heart of of them becoming Christian in the first place. And that, friends, is normal, biblical, gospel-shaped, Jesus-centred Christianity. That's normal. It's not just about signing a card at a particular event. It's not just about asking Jesus into your heart, though these things may be legitimate to do. 
It's not. It's definitely not about coming to Jesus for a better life. You know, one option among many options that you could choose from. No, becoming a Christian is about responding to the good news of Jesus in repentance and faith, turning from what the way you were living and turning to the Jesus that you've just heard about in the good news of the gospel. Now, interestingly enough, it's pretty much the first thing that comes from the lips of Jesus when he starts his ministry. Very early on in Mark chapter 1, we read this. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. This is when he starts his ministry. This is the first, first account we have of the first thing that he did. And what did he do? He came proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus comes announcing, we're told, the gospel of God. What is the gospel? Well, gospel simply means announcement. It was usually an announcement from a ruler or a, someone, someone in a high position of authority, maybe a king, maybe an emperor, maybe a governor, and a herald would come to the village square and announce whatever the gospel was. It could have been a gospel of bad news if it was, you know, we're going to raise your taxes. It could have been a gospel of good news if it meant, you know, uh, I don't know, free healthcare for the next month, whatever. All right? Depends what was being announced. What's this gospel? Well, it's an announcement from God that Jesus is bringing, that Jesus is heralding. What's it about? The time is fulfilled. What time? The time that had been promised. The time that had been prophesied throughout the Old Testament. The time is Fulfilled. This is coming to pass. Everything that was spoken of by the prophets is now coming to pass in the person of Jesus. What's, what's that going to look like? Well, the kingdom of God is at hand. The rule of God, the reign of God is near and intensified and is being ramped up in the person of Jesus, God's King, God's Messiah. And so what do you do when all those things are happening? What's the right response? Well, it's to turn from running your own little kingdom and to submit yourself to King Jesus and put your hope and trust in him, the one who will actually die for your sins. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Where do you start? Repent and believe. The gospel. John Piper puts it this way, I think, very helpfully in this announcement that Jesus makes. The gospel, the good news that Jesus proclaims, is that the rule of God has arrived in Jesus to save sinners before it arrives in Jesus at his second coming in judgment. So because of that, the demand to repent, and notice it's a command and a demand. It's not a suggestion from God that we ought to repent and believe. It's a command. So the demand to repent is based on the gracious offer that is present right at that moment to forgive and on the gracious warning that someday those who refuse this offer will perish in God's judgment. 
The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand in the person of Jesus who has come as God's king on his planet and he will die for sinners to bring in God's kingdom and one day he will return in judgment as God's king. So repent and believe the good news. Turn from and turn to. So do you see, friends, repentance And faith is at the heart of what the Bible says about being Christian. It's at the heart of of becoming a Christian as you respond to Jesus initially, when you see him for the first time clearly and what he's done for you and God's great love for you in him uh, on the cross. And it's at the heart of growing as a Christian once you come to know him as you continue to respond to him as your Lord and Saviour day by day. It's how you become a Christian. Repentance and faith. Now, I uh, had reason to be driving down kind of Baldivis Quinana Way a little while ago, and there were some new developments down there. I don't know whether you've seen any of them, but I was struck by one of the signs on one of the developments. I can't even remember what the development was, what it was called, but I do remember the kind of subtext on the sign. It said this, Life begins here. Life begins here. And as I drove past, I went, really? Life begins here, in Quinana. That's not what I've heard. But that's that's the narrative, right? That's the idolatry of our culture. Life begins here. If you build in this development... Oh, it's just going to be such a wonderful, loving community. Perfect humanity, in fact. All your neighbours will be beautiful. Your house will be perfect. Your car will have a lovely two-carport two, two garage. You might even have room for a pool. Imagine those summers sitting out there after work, enjoying all of that. Life begins here. No, it doesn't. It doesn't begin in Kelmscott either, by the way. Nor does it begin in Dalkeith or Applecross or Coral Bay where I'm going this afternoon. That, friends, is the brazen idolatry of our culture and that, friends, is the pond that we swim in. And don't be naive enough to think that it doesn't affect you that some of that doesn't kind of rub off in our culture. In Acts chapter 11, when Peter is reporting to the church about a bunch of non-Jewish people who became Christians, to his great surprise, he says this. Listen to how he describes it. He, he told them about it, and then the response of the church is, to say, is this. When they heard this, these things, they fell silent. They glorified God, saying, Then To the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Life begins here. Real life, eternal life, true life, abundant life through Jesus as we turn from our sins which we have looked to for life, whatever they might be, and as we turn to Jesus in repentance and faith and find life in him. 
So the obvious question we must ask ourselves is this. Have you repented from your sins, from living life your way, maybe kind of allowing God into a little bit of it, have you repented from that and turned to and put your hope and trust in Jesus, God's King? Have you turned from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for his son? Or to put it another way, have you experienced repentance that leads to life through Jesus? True life, eternal life, fullness of life. It's a critical question, perhaps the most important question that we need to all answer. Have we repented and believed in the gospel? You see, it's not about whether you go to church or whether you don't, although that's a good thing to do. And if you are Christian, you will want to gather with God's people to praise God's name. To others who have, with others who have repented and believed. It's, but it's not ultimately about that. It's not about what you don't do that others do do. And it's not about what you do do that others don't do. So you can kind of sit there in superiority over them. It's not about that. It's not about being a good person because according to the Bible there aren't any. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means all. It's not about doing good things because if that's all it was about, then Jesus wouldn't have had to do that. He wouldn't have had to die. Now the critical question is this. Jesus said the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Have you done that? Has that happened for you? The good news is this, if it hasn't, I mean, if it has, praise the Lord, awesome. But if it hasn't, if you haven't had done that, then you can today. In fact, God, even as this, these texts are being opened up, God is calling you to repent and believe today if you haven't. Today is a day of salvation. One day Jesus will return in judgment and that day will no longer be there. But today is a day when you can turn from your sin and turn to Jesus and experience life in Christ and be saved by him. Today is a good day. And if you've done it, then today is a day that you can praise Jesus for doing that in your life. Tomorrow we don't know. This afternoon we don't know. So if you're thinking about it, I want to urge you, don't delay. Come to him and turn to him and trust in him. It's how you become a Christian. Secondly, hello, I've lost a a slide. Well, I'll tell you what it says. It's how you become like Christ. 
Repentance and faith is not only how you become a Christian, but it's actually how you become like Jesus. It's how you grow. And interestingly enough, as you think about these two uh, concepts, and I hope you do, and I hope you continue to this week, if you think and grasp more about repentance and faith, you know what's going to happen? You're going to start to see it everywhere as you read your Bible. You're going to see it everywhere because it is everywhere. We could look at passage after passage after passage, but we're just going to look at, I think, four. And what I want you to see is the turning from and the turning to in each of these passages written not to people who are not yet Christian, but to people who are already Christian. Have a look at the first one. Uh Uh-oh, there it is. 1 Peter 2, 1 to 3. We'll go back one. Right? 1 Peter 2, 1 to 3, clearly written to Christians. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. There's the turning from. Put it away, all of that, and do what? Just sit there? No, turn to, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. By it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. We just need to go back to that. If you've become a Christian, if you've repented and uh, trusted Jesus in the first place, then turn away from all this and turn to this. Like newborn infants, this is not about when you're a young Christian. Peter's talking about in the same way that infants do this. You've seen a hungry infant, right? You've heard a hungry infant, right? (laughs) They're not going to be quiet until they get what they want. Like that, crave pure spiritual milk so that you might grow. That's the first one. Here's another one that we might know a bit better. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking, (laughs) there it is, turning to, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. you see it again? Lay aside every weight and every sin that clings so closely. Or I think the NIV says, and the sin that so easily entangles. Turn from that and do what? Run the race, looking to Jesus. Why? So that you might run and finish the race. So that you might grow. So that you might change. So that you might be shaped by Jesus deeply and powerfully in such a way that no one's going to need to write an article about the change in your life. It's going to be there. Here's another one. Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, you will appear with him also. If you've been raised with Christ, if you're a Christian, 
Seek the things above, where Christ is. Keep turning to him. Keep looking to him. Not on things of earth. Keep turning away from those things and keep turning to him. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your life is not in those things anymore. Your life is in Jesus if you're a Christian. Perhaps another familiar one, Revelation 2, 2 to 7. Classic uh, passage. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. This is Jesus speaking to the church in Ephesus. Verse 4, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first, or some translations say your first love. Remember, therefore, from when you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, this church is not a church that's walking away you know, drastically from Christianity. If you read the passage, you can see that they're persevering, right? They're, they're bearing up for the name of Jesus. But something's not right deep within them that perhaps no one else would pick. But Jesus puts his finger on it. Their love for Jesus is not what it was. And Jesus knows that this is more important than anything they might do, than anything that they might be involved in externally, that this is core. It's so important for them, for their health as a church, for their growth and maturity as followers of Jesus, and in fact, for them to remain a church at all. You see verse 7? Sorry, verse 5? Yeah, verse 5. If you don't repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. You'll no longer be a church. So verse 6, sorry, verse 5 again. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. These are Christians. Repent. Repent and do what you did at the beginning. Turn away from this loveless Christianity with no love for Jesus and turn to him again. So, friends, do you see, again and again, we hear the language of repentance and faith in the Christian life, not just at the start. Again and again, we're called to turn from our sin and turn to Jesus. And again and again, it's clear that it's at the heart of what it means to be Christian and what it means to grow as a Christian. Repentance and faith is how you become like. Now, 
um, one of the great things about being part of this church is every now and again, there's another baby around the place. And you know, I'm, I'm a bit out of touch with newborns. It's been a long time since we had any, um, nearly 20 years, 21 years ago, actually, close to 21. I know that's hard to believe that it was that long, but it was. Um, we find it hard to believe that it was that long ago, that's for sure. Uh, but there is, and there is lots of things you forget when it's been 21 years since you've you know, had a newborn in your home. But there's some things you don't forget, some things that you remember were pretty important. And probably the most important is feeding. You can't even leave the hospital until the baby has started to feed. And they make perfect sense, right? Because unless they do, they won't grow. And man, it can be stressful. I do remember that. You know, they can be fussing around with it. Don't seem to like the food. How are we ever going to get them to eat if they don't like it? Not craving the milk. In fact, more often spitting it all out. Or even projectile vomiting it all over the place or all over you. So stressful. And it's stressful because you know that feeding well is critical for them to grow and for them to thrive. And unless they feed well, the longer that goes on, the more likely there's going to be serious health concerns. Friends, I want to suggest to you that the same is true for us as followers of Jesus when it comes to repentance and faith. It's vital for our growth as Christians. It's vital for us becoming more like Jesus. It's vital if we want to see more of that transforming realities that you read about in the New Testament without repentance and faith, it's not going to happen. Without it, we will not grow. And the longer it goes where we're not repenting and we're not trusting, where we're not turning from and turning to, the likelihood for serious spiritual health issues increases. So, why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? Why do we seem to avoid it? Why is it often not normal for us as followers of Jesus? Well, I want to suggest a few things to you this morning that may be obstacles to us repenting and trusting, turning from and turning to more regularly. I think one of the things is, is we don't see it as it really is, a blessing from God. We hear the word repentance and immediately in our mind, a negative connotation kind of pops up. We don't think of it as finding life, but rather as maybe feeling bad. And who wants to feel bad? So I'm probably not going to do it very often if it means I'm just going to feel bad. And sure, there's conviction of sin in relation to repentance, but not condemnation. Again, in Acts chapter 11, Paul, uh, the church said, 
that God had granted the Gentiles repentance that leads to life. So two things there. One is repentance is a good gift from God to us. It's a blessing from him. And secondly, it leads to life. True life, real life, abundant life. If we see it as a bad thing or a negative thing, we won't do it. And so we won't grow. And we won't change. We'll get frustrated with the lack of progress in our lives as a Christian. We won't experience the life in Jesus that God has for us. So there's one reason. Second one's a fairly obvious one. Pride. Pride. Maybe you're different, but I reckon we struggle to be honest with ourselves, let alone others, about our sin. Our pride gets in the way of acknowledging our need for ongoing grace. And so in the process of of being stuck in our pride, we cut off and don't enjoy what God has for us in Jesus in an ongoing way. And so we don't turn away from sin and we don't turn to Jesus and rather than maybe put our hand up for help to him, we try and take the try harder approach perhaps. Because then I can be proud that I was tried harder and I made some progress. It doesn't work though, does it? So we don't grow and we don't change and we don't experience the life that God has for us in Jesus. Legalism is another reason why we won't repent and believe, funnily enough. You know, legalism is often understood as you know, fire and brimstone preaching, you must repent. But Legalism often tends to have us seeing God as kind of our performance manager who constantly reviews our performance. And I don't know whether you know, you've been in a work situation with a performance review and if you haven't done very well, you're not really looking forward to a performance review. You're probably going to avoid the boss's office who's going to do the performance review because you don't want to hear how badly you've performed. And if we see God like that, then the last place we're going to go to when we fail is God. We'll we'll maybe hide over here for a while and see if I can kind of improve things a bit and maybe then I'll, you know, come with my tail between my legs to God and kind of say, you know, sorry, I'm here. That's legalism. So we, grow, we don't grow, we don't change, we don't avail ourselves of the ongoing grace that God has for us in Jesus. And friends, that's not the gospel because the gospel is good news for sinners, for those who don't perform very well. And if we see our God in that light, then we will go to him. We will repent because of the grace of the gospel. It's a safe place for us to go and be honest and open and real with God and then maybe with others having done that. So there's some reasons perhaps. There's probably lots of others. We see it negatively, our pride and legalism, which is not the gospel. Well, in conclusion... Why did we put these two truths together this week? 
Every other truth has been a single truth, right? Scripture, revelation, sin, grace. Why do we put these two together? Well, because the Bible does. (laughs) And we must never separate them in our experience because it doesn't work. Here's what happens if you try and do one without the other. You try and do faith without, sorry, repentance without, let me go the other way. Try and do faith without repentance. Try and turn to Jesus without turning from sin. Um, hmm. It's not going to work. Because <laughs> that's like wanting to have Jesus and have my sin as well without kind of letting go to it. Just want to hang on to it. Not really wanting to change. Possibly wanting to feel better about my sin. Maybe get some forgiveness and cleansing, but not let it go. Or at least not wanting to feel bad about it. That's faith without repentance. The other one that perhaps we're more likely to do is repentance without faith. That is turning from your sin, but not turning to Jesus. That's a common mistake I think we make. Because you cannot turn from your sin in a powerful, transforming way unless you turn to Jesus as well. Because you know what you're doing if you don't? You're turning from your sin and you know who you're turning to? Yourself. How did that go last time? What kind of life-changing transformation did that bring you last time? Probably not much. And yes, if you're one of those disciplined, grit-your-teeth kind of people, you might be able to keep away from that sin for a while. But if you haven't turned to Jesus, if you haven't replaced whatever you were trying to get out of that sin with getting life out of Jesus, you will sooner or later fall back into it. It won't change. There'll be some behavioral modification, but there won't be deep. Transformation. And I much prefer the second. So, you cannot separate them. They're two sides of the same coin. I reckon we have. I reckon we've talked a lot about trusting in Jesus. But not much about turning from our sin. And maybe that's part of the answer at least to why there's often a disconnect between how people present and what's really going on and where we're really at. Why actually there's not a lot sometimes growth and change and fruit in our lives and we wish there were and we're not sure why and it's frustrating and we wish we could change more. Well, these two things that I think have been somewhat lost in our churches, particularly repentance, in the ongoing life of a Christian, may bring some of that change back as we turn from our sin, as we recapture them as blessings, both repentance and faith, blessings that God has given that lead to life. It's how you become a Christian. Probably always been pretty clear on that but it's also how you become like Christ.
Let's pray together, shall we? Gracious Father, in thinking of uh, your word, how it tells us that faith is not from ourselves, it is the gift of God so that no one should boast and also that you also grant repentance. We thank you, Lord, that both good gifts from you that put us in a place where we, we can respond appropriately to who you are, to what you've done for us in the Lord Jesus, to the blessing of your spirit in our lives so that we might be saved and that we might be changed and conformed to the image of your Son. Father, please help us to see these as good gifts from your hand as blessings from you that you've given to us for us to avail ourselves of as we turn from sin, as we trust in Jesus, as we turn away from where we've been looking to to find some kind of joy or life or peace or hope or strength, as we turn to you, Lord Jesus, and find all of those things and so much more. Father, help us with our pride. Help us to be true to ourselves and to you and to what you say about us. And Help us to humble ourselves before you that you may lift us up in due time. And Father, help us to love your gospel, to relish in it, to be so glad that we can come to you as we are, people who perform poorly for the one who has performed perfectly for us so that we might have full acceptance as your children with you, our Father. We ask all of this in Jesus' name and we pray this that we might be transformed and bring you glory with our lives more and more. Father, if there are those here today who haven't yet come to you, Lord Jesus, please help them to turn from whatever they're trying to find life in. Turn from their idols and turn to you to serve the true and living God and to wait for his son, Jesus, from heaven. We ask this in his name. Amen.